This is a STEAM Channel program on UCTV. Go full STEAM ahead at uctv.tv slash STEAM, where science, technology, engineering, arts, and math converge. Hi, I'm Shelley Kurth, and I'm here with my colleague, Dr. Nicola Sisi, for our fifth installment of How to Stay Sane in Times of Unprecedented Parenting. Together, Shelly and I are working moms with experience teaching in elementary through high school and even college. We have led schools, have served as principals. We are uh, executive coaches and parent coaches, as well as teachers of yoga and mindfulness. And now, like many of you, we are homeschooling our children. And our goal for these weekly sessions is to provide you with some tools and resources to keep you uh, sane and your learner thriving. This week in particular, we're focusing on communication and problem solving when things get tough. And they've gotten tough a few times for me, maybe for you too. What can we do to keep the peace instead of blowing our top during these times? Today, we'll learn some tools and rules to help you create some sanity. Today in particular, this presentation will include how all behavior is communication. We will talk about tools that keep us proactive and keep us calm. We will begin building a foundation of emotional intelligence that helps tame problems when they start to escalate. We will explain how clarity can save you from future battles and what to do when you make a mistake. And we all make mistakes. Nicole, why don't you start us off by talking a little bit about the root of some of these unexpected behaviors? Thanks, Shelley. You know, as a school leader, teacher, and now homeschooling parent, I have seen my share of unexpected behaviors. And the most important lesson that I have needed to remind myself of is that all behavior is communication. All communication exists to meet a need. So if we flip the script of what is happening when our kids are demonstrating certain behaviors and say, wow, my kid's trying to communicate, maybe effectively, maybe ineffectively, but they're trying to communicate in order to meet a need. It helps us shift from like, what does my kid actually need right now to how do I stop the behavior? Because once you figure out what they need, you can teach them better ways to meet those needs. Uh, You can model appropriate ways to get your needs met. As adults, we work hard on communicating uh, in order to fulfill our needs, right? But your child is just learning. They are just trying to figure out like, hey, what do I get what I need? Like, do I need to scream? Do I need to cry? How do I get my needs met? And so rather than taking behavior personally, rather than interpreting something, uh, it has something that your child is intentionally doing to you, be it to annoy you or (laughs) to just drive you crazy. Think of it as like something that your child is intentionally doing to get a need met. Figure out what that need is and then reframe it so that you can figure out how to help them communicate more effectively. One way to think about this is to think about behavior as the tip of the iceberg. It's what you can observe. It's what you see, but it's actually not the real whole picture. Uh, One of my favorite psychologists and writers is Dr. Dan Siegel, and he has a great book called No Drama Discipline, right? Isn't that what we all need right now? No drama. Uh, And we're including the refrigerator sheet um, that is available online in one of the links below. But one of the things and one of the strategies he teaches us is to listen for feelings and needs. 
Don't listen for all the ways that your kid is trying to irk you or hurt you. Listen for what the underlying feelings and needs are. Reframe from trying to explain it or solve it in that moment. No matter what is said, hear only the feelings and needs, right? Like figure out what the request is and then offer your kid a suggestion on how else they could be asking you for whatever they need. It doesn't mean that the answer is yes by any means, but give them some new tools and strategies. Model what might be a better way for your child to get his or her needs met. And if you stop thinking about the fact that they're intentionally trying to hurt you or irk you, uh, you might be more able to fill in the gaps and figure out what it is that you can do to model more appropriate behavior. I think that the most important thing that we can do is to be proactive. Those unexpected behaviors, they're going to happen, especially we're all in these really close, tight spaces and at home together. You're going to see them. But being proactive and using strategies that help decrease those disruptive behaviors is the very best way to minimize the conflicts that actually lead to the bigger problems like tantrums or fights with your teenagers. Um, We talked about some of these things in depth in our previous podcasts, but wanted to take a minute to review them because I think it's so important that we do these things to lay a foundation of calm and peace in our house. Number one, think about your self-care. In order to take really good care of your family, you must take really good care of yourself. Eat, sleep, move. Those are just the basics and they are more important than ever. So ensure that your child is maintaining good sleeping, good eating and exercising, but make sure that you're doing it too so that you have the fuel that you need to take care of your family. Number two, take time to connect. I know we're busy. We're juggling all these different hats and all these different jobs. But if you take a little time to connect with your kiddo, whether it's to play Legos with your little one or to have, you know, join in teenage shenanigans with your teenagers just for a few minutes every day, that's going to make communicating about the hard things easier down the line. Number three, call out the good stuff. I like to say catch them being good. Um, Give attention to your child when they're doing the things that you like. Name it. Maybe they're being a good listener or maybe they're sharing with their sister. When you catch them being good and give the good things attention, you increase the likelihood that your child will repeat that stuff. And that's really ultimately what we want. And number four, try your best to provide structure. This includes routines and ground rules. Kids do better when there are clear routines and expectations. If your child doesn't know what's expected, then they won't always know what to do. Um, And then that adds to a lot of confusion in the house. You can tune into our previous podcast to find out a little bit more about how to build those routines and those ground rules. But for today, just remember, it's important that your family and your family will be more harmonious if there are agreed upon routines and expectations that are created and discussed regularly by all of you. Thanks so much, Shelly. And I bet a lot of people out there are thinking, gosh, but... I'm trying all these things, it's not working, I'm overwhelmed, and that's okay. Give yourself some grace because even the most resourced parents out there are finding that at times they're just gonna be at their wit's end. Uh, There's a really great resource and tool from the Yale Center of Emotional Intelligence, and they really work on positive emotional climates, right? Like how do you create a positive emotional climate? 
kind of hard when you're in your home all the time, but they use an acronym called RULER. And what RULER stands for is to recognize, understand, label, express, and regulate your emotions. How do you do that? I think it starts with the first rule and the first part in RULER, which is to name it in order to tame it. If your child is calm enough to have a conversation, one way to diffuse an escalating situation is just to name the emotion and validate it. Like for example, it makes you pretty upset that you can't go out and play with your friends. Like, I hear you. And it doesn't mean that you're validating the behavior and how they're demonstrating that, but it's okay to feel that way. All of us are feeling that way. And it's it's okay for kids to know like, hey, it's normal for me to feel anxious. It's normal for me to feel frustrated. Um, and by naming something, it helps children to self-regulate when they understand what is happening to them is just part of the normal array of feelings that people have. It then gives them a way to move forward. And a great tool that I love sharing with parents when I work in parent coaching sessions or when Shelly and I do parent workshops uh, is How to Talk So Kids Listen. It's a really great book. Um, we're including another sort of refrigerator one sheet for you in the comments, but it's the idea that you validate emotions. You don't always validate the behavior because not all behavior is appropriate or acceptable, but any emotion is appropriate. It's appropriate to feel angry, sad, uh, frustrated. So when your child is talking and expressing these things, listen fully. Acknowledge with a word or two what's going on for them. Like, wow, that sounds hard or... I hear you're feeling frustrated, right? Like how do you just acknowledge and normalize that feeling? Suspending your own judgment. And then once you give that feeling a name, giving them a place to move forward from. And that can really give you um, some great resources to, to move forward in your connection. Because as Shelly mentioned, talking about your challenges, connecting around the emotions, is really a great way for you to model and normalize that all of us have a wide range of feelings, especially when we can't leave our home. And so Shelly, how else do we move forward? Oh, you say it, you mean it, and you follow through. Um, I think that is when there's big problems that arise, this is what I, I tell parents to stick to. And by the way, we all mess this up. Um, every teacher and parent I know has had a, a moment of messing this up, but you try to say it and mean it and follow through. So does this sound familiar to you? It's getting close to dinner and your kiddo wants a snack and you calmly say no snacks before dinner. And then the whining starts and then the crying starts and then the tantrum starts and it escalates and it escalates until finally you say, forget it, just have your snack. Well, unfortunately, in that moment, you just reinforce the crying and the whining and your kiddos thinking and learning, wow, if I cry really loud and throw a big tantrum, I'm going to get that snack. You have to say it, you have to mean it, and you have to follow through. I mean, it works in reverse too, because I have been known to yell down to my family, hey guys, time for dinner, and everyone ignores me. I say it a second time, and everyone ignores me. By the third time, I'm saying, everybody get up here for dinner and I'll, now I'm mad. And what I've learned is they're not gonna listen until I yell. And what they've learned is you don't have to listen to mom the first time. So 
say it, mean it, and follow through. The, this increases the chances that your no will mean a no and that people will listen to you the first time. Um, this, this, how to remedy it when you say it, you mean it, you follow through, you might want to give a consequence. If you don't come to dinner when I ask you nicely the second time, the first time, then you might have a consequence like 10 minutes off of screen time. And then if you say it, you have to mean it and you have to follow through. You can't give in. You have to do what you mean. Um, and be careful because there's another trap altogether, which means you know, you can't ground your kid for life for being late for dinner. It's not a great consequence and it's really not something you can follow through in. So think about those consequences. Think about what you're going to say. But if you say it, mean it and follow through. It's so great, Shelly. And, you know, on the flip side of that, as parents, we have all said things that we didn't mean or have said things that we regret. I mentioned earlier, I didn't have the greatest week of homeschooling. Um, and it got to the point where my son was working on something and I was so frustrated that he had a paper in his hand and I just snatched it out of his hand. And I thought, wow, Nicole, like you can do so much better. Like you are not five years old. You are more resourceful. Why are you snatching things out of your six-year-old's hands? So what did I do? I, um, gave myself a lot of grace and said like, okay, these are stressful times and let's try again. Uh, these moments that we're going through are opportunities to model how to fix things when they didn't go the way you wanted them to. Your kids are always watching. And one thing that we say in my house is that, you know, every breakdown can be a breakthrough. So I use that moment of my breakdown as sort of a breakthrough of modeling like, you know what, I get frustrated too. And when you were not listening to me and fiddling with your paper, I got really frustrated. And you know what I did is I grabbed the paper out of your hand and I just snatched it. And I wish I hadn't done that. I wish I had been more resourceful. And um, in that moment, it opened up a great conversation to talk about the, the Yale framework of ruler, right? This whole recognizing, understanding, labeling, expressing, and then sort of regulating my own emotions. Uh, so I actually apologized to my kid. I said, you know what, I'm, I'm sorry. Um, and I think that honesty with your kids that like just being human is really great modeling for how they might solve problems. And so often kids aren't let in on how do adults solve problems? They just sort of assume that we are all knowing and all perfect and that we have it all figured out, but we don't have to. And trying to keep up that front is really stressful for you as a parent. And so one of the things uh, we recommend for you is to take an attitude of sort of break it, fix it. If you break something, if you mess it up, find a way to fix it. And that's one of our norms in the house. You break it, you fix it. And in that moment, I broke some trust and some relational capital that I had. So I needed to fix it. A great way to start to fix these situations is just to ask like, hey, wow, I did something that didn't feel great to me. How did it feel to you? And what do you need from me to move forward? Um, now, my son actually said, you know what? I really just want a hug. Like, you were kind of mean to me. Can I get a hug? And here's an interesting thing about hugging for us to remember, especially in the times of quarantine and not being around a lot of people, is that hugging actually reduces stress and it boosts our immune system. So, uh, you know, we joke around and say, like, you just got to hug it out. But, like, there's something true about hugging it out, especially in terms of building a relationship and feeling better yourself. But remember, it's okay to mess up. Every breakdown is a breakthrough, but 
if something is broken, fix it. And if you're not sure how to fix it, ask. Um, so that's one way to move forward. And Shelly, I want to pass it over to you to sort of give us some final words of wisdom of, of how to move through these days. Because man, it's hard. You know what, what parents are being asked to do right now is nearly impossible. There are so many different things that we're doing that we may not be able to be the parent that we always were or the employee that we always were or the partner that we always were. Those roles are changing um, and they are evolving this whole time. But it is also a unique opportunity to create some new ways of being and new ways of doing things and communicating together as a household. Um, New times create blossoms of new things. Um, So keep that in mind. Every family has to determine what is actually possible today. If it's only one out of the five things that you were thinking to do on the list, then that's okay. Be compassionate with yourself. Be compassionate with your partner. Be compassionate with your kiddos and your community. Take moments of gratitude. I mean, yesterday I was just grateful that I got the kids out of bed. Um, You just find those little things. And remember, every behavior is rooted in a need. Try to figure out that what, what that need is communicate as clearly as you possibly can. That will save so many problems from escalating when people know exactly what is the expectation to begin with. Be proactive, take good care of yourself, and remember to celebrate the little things. Celebrate the big things. Take time to have fun and be together with some smiles. That is probably the most important thing we can do with each other right now. Have a great week. Thank you. Bye, everyone. Thanks for joining us.